back to the Love Your Story interview land. Today, I am bringing you Matthew Garner, and he's going to share his five things that you want your audience to do when you tell a story. So why does this apply to you? Well, no matter who you are, every day you are telling stories. We use stories to help our kids, our friends, our employees understand what we want or need them to do. We use stories to make real connections with each other and share our experiences. We use stories when we present ourselves at work, church, or in social circles. Stories have so many functions in our life. It's how we share awe, how we share lessons we learned, both good and bad. It's how we make sense of things that have happened to us. It's how we let someone into our experiences to share our lives. Now, while story comes supernaturally to everyone and you've been telling stories your whole life, understanding how to tell them effectively makes you more effective and powerful in your communication. So stay tuned. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. If you're a leader of a family or a manager or leader at work, you need mad story skills. Story's the genre that everyone understands. You get a much better response when you share an idea or an expectation through a story that illustrates the example rather than an explanation or a demand. Try it. But first, we're gonna get a few tips from Matt so that you can rock it. Matt Garner is from Longboard PR. He's a retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel who started his PR company when he retired. His company helps companies and individuals increase their business by helping them understand their audience and how to send the message most effectively to that audience. Matt is a master storyteller, speaker, and trainer, and he's here to share his wisdom. So thanks for coming on the show, Matt. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Lori. Absolutely. I'm excited to learn from you. So tell us a little about you and how you came to be a master storyteller. Well, I guess I, it came down to the fact that I needed to get married and a long time ago, and, and that had something to do with it, not really. But uh, <laughs> I realized when I started out at Weber State University, which was uh, many years ago, I was an applied physics major. And I, I was there until I got to calculus twice. <laughs> I got an F the first time. I did much better the second time I got a D, neither of which counted for graduation credit. And at that point, I got rid of having a major completely. I graduated from college with three minors. Now, I became a major later in the Army, but I graduated without one. So I, I had a minor in English, a minor in communication, and a minor in military science. And so naturally, I went and flew helicopters in the Army. I did that for the first half of my career. And then the army in their infinite wisdom decided that I needed to do something different. And so they wanted to make me a finance guy, what the army calls a comptroller. And I thought to myself, you guys really didn't look at my transcripts from college, did you? Because that whole calculus thing, you know, didn't go too well. 
uh, fortunately, I had a friend who said, that's easy to change. We got it changed. And I started telling the Army story all over the world. I, I published newspapers on two different continents. I broadcast television stations. I worked with local, regional, national, international press throughout the United States and also on deployments to Afghanistan and to Iraq and realized that people are very much like me. They want to be engaged when spoken to. And so I started looking around and doing a lot of reading and a lot of research as to what engages people. And, and what engages us more than anything is being spoken to where we are and then being told stories and analogies to help us understand where it is that we want to take people. And the best way to take them there is by engaging their entire brain. Stories do that better than anything else. Here, here. Preaching to the choir on that one. So you have five steps for telling a great story. There are five things that if you're a storyteller, you need to make your audience do five things. The first one is you need to make your audience care about what you're saying. The easiest way to drive an audience away is to tell a story like this. And, and, and tell me how many times you've heard this, Lori. So, dude, I got this great story I got to tell you. Last week, I was at lunch with Bob and... No, no, it was Bill. And yeah, it was Bill. So we were at lunch on, no, it was Bob. Because we had that meeting. You ever heard somebody try to start a story like that? We're like, okay, just tell me and make me care. And so when we talk to people, we say the first thing you have to do is make me care. And let me give you an example. I met my wife on a golf course. Neither one of us were golfing. So you're smiling there. What are you thinking? What's the question running through your head? Well, you've, you've laid out the hook, right? You've laid out the hook and the person wants to know, well, what in the world were you doing there and why weren't you golfing? Right. And to give you the full answer to that, I have to back up a little ways. At the start of my senior year at Weaver State, I went from dating a few different girls to dating no girls. And so I called my sister-in-law, who had run on the cross-country and track teams, and I said, we need to go to a meet because I need to meet some girls. And so the next meet was the home cross country meet on Snyder's Riverside Golf Course in Riverdale, Utah. And I went there and I had been told by a friend in ROTC, he said, hey, you got to meet this girl named Laura. She is absolutely gorgeous. You need to go and meet her. And I got to the meet and Laura had a boyfriend there. So another girl by the name of Karen Packham recognized me from a class we had together. And that's how we met. So the first thing you have to do is make me care. In journalism, in, in newspapers, in newspaper stories, the first line or two of every story is called a lead. And it's how you hook somebody in. And there's, there are a number of different types of leads that people use to gain your attention to get you to read the whole story. The one that I used is oddity or novelty. It was a novel way of going through and finding out or, of, or of, uh, a novel way of introducing something. There's also prominence. So if, you, if I was to say, you know, one morning in Baghdad, Barack Obama walked up to me while I was having breakfast behind one of Saddam Hussein's palaces that I worked in. A couple different prominence things there. There's proximity, how close it happened, impact, and timeliness. Those are some of the different elements of news. Using one of those elements of news to gain somebody's attention has worked for generations and it continues to work. So grab their attention, make them care. What is step number two? 
Step number two is make me work. If I'm your audience, you've got to make me work a little bit. If the answer is four, don't tell me four, tell me two plus two. My favorite example is we are in our family huge fans of Sherlock Holmes, both the books, the movies, but especially the BBC television series. And if you ever watch one, you don't get all the clues up front. There was, if I remember right, the first season's first episode, they find a dead body. It's a woman. She's in an abandoned apartment or flat in London. And Sherlock Holmes, as he starts to look over the scene and look over the body, he says, where's her luggage? And everyone says, what do you mean, her luggage? Nobody can, nobody has seen luggage. There was no luggage anywhere around the building. He says, where's her luggage? She had a small case that she brought with her. Where is that? And nobody could figure it out. And, and after a little bit, you understand that the way Sherlock Holmes understood that she had luggage was she had some, some drips of water and dirt on the back of her foot. And he knew that she was pulling something that would flip water up that had wheels. But you don't get that immediately. So how would you use that, say, in a, a business story? So if you're a manager and you're trying to explain to your employees, you know, you're using a story to tell them what you want them to do or to illustrate a point, um, how, do you have an example of how that would look? There are, and it depends on the person you're talking to in a one-to-one setting and what's going to work with them. One way is gently asking questions. Okay, what do you think of this? Have you seen this? Now let's take those two things and let's take these questions and and build on those to get to a conclusion. Mm, So you guide them. You help them through questions, come to the answer. That is a possible way. Another possible way is to, to lay something out and say, hey, what would you do in this situation? Those are ways to do it. There are a ton of ways to do that. Questions, though, sometimes can be construed as plain stump the chump. You already know the answer, so you have to be careful with that. But find ways to make people work a little bit for where you're trying to get them. I can kind of see also creating a story specifically for your audience, whether it's employees, management, or investors, where you kind of build a story and at the end of it you come up with, you know, what's the answer to this story conundrum? And then they get to sort through and start conversation and find their own answer. I can see how that would be really powerful. When you give people a chance to participate, then you can engage them. There's a great quote by one of my favorite authors, H.A. Overstreet, who said, the very essence of power to influence lies in the ability to get the other person to participate. Like my high school math teacher, whose philosophy was that there is no one in advanced high school math for any reason other than their parents forced them to be there. All he did was provide us information. And he was so boring in his presentation of the information that one of my classmates fell asleep every day, third period. He was so boring. This was our junior year. He was so boring that that same girl fell asleep every year in third period, her senior year as well, or every day, continued over. She needed her nap time. What's step number three? Step number three after make me feel, make me work, is make me wonder. And you were a perfect example of that. When I said I met my wife on a golf course and neither one of us were golfing, the immediate question you asked yourself was, well, what were you doing there? Give me a story example, if you can, of how you might use that in business. 
When I retired from the Army, I started my business accidentally. It was not my intention to start a business. I actually applied for a job at the Ogden High School Junior ROTC Department, local high school here, and I didn't get it. I had people who came to me and said, I know what you did in the Army, come do that for me. So the question is, well, what did you do in the Army and why did you accidentally start a business? You know, one of the keys of storytelling is giving people enough detail that they can paint a picture, but not giving them so much detail that you bury them in it. Nobody likes being buried in it. Give a little bit, make people wonder where this is going. Any movie that you pay to watch in a theater does this very well. They give you a little bit and then they make you wonder where it's going. Well, and so far I'm noticing a real tie between the three steps that you've given us so far, right? The make me care, the make me wonder, the make me work. All of these have actually work really well together because they're, they're part and parcel of the same thing. Step number four. Make me feel. On that story about how I met my wife, the, the feel part I didn't go into very much initially, but one weekend, the start of my senior year, I had a date with a girl on Friday night. She called me. She said, Matt, we're not going out anymore. I said, why not? We've been going out for a number of months. She said, I'm not going to tell you. Well, that's not fair. So that was Friday night. Saturday, I was at work. I was a consumer facilities technician. That's a mall janitor, fancy term for a mall janitor. So I'm at work cleaning the mall. And I see another girl that I'd gone out with once or twice walking down the mall holding hands with another boy. So I thought, all right, that's over. And then on Saturday night, I'd been set up with a girl and we went out. At the end of the day, she says, I'm going away to college on Monday morning. So thank you very much. Have a nice life. That sucked. That was a terrible weekend. I'm going from, from three to zero and I needed help. And so that's when I called my sister-in-law. That's the I feel part. Let people know what you were going through. This is what I experienced because of that. So Mm -hmm. step number four, make me feel what you felt. Guys are terrible at this because guys don't like to admit that they've ever felt anything. But you know, that real space of vulnerability where we actually connect with other people is when we do share emotion. Without a doubt, the most powerful stories that people can connect with are the ones where emotion is brought up in them. And if the storyteller doesn't exude or create or share any emotion, then they've missed that whole vulnerable space for connection. You've given them nothing to tie into except just facts. And then you turn into my high school math teacher. (laughs) There you go. And you put people to sleep and you put people to sleep the next year when they don't even have your class. (laughs) What's step number five? Step number five in a business setting is if you don't make the story apply to the person you're talking to in the situation that they're in, then it doesn't matter. In fact, you've wasted their time. So step number five is make me understand. Make me understand what this story has to do with what we are talking about. Well, if you start speaking to them where they are and you want to get them to another location, there's a bridge that has to go between those two points. And the best way to get them across that bridge was stories and analogies, but it has to apply. If all you're doing is sitting around telling stories, my grandfather had lots of stories. Some of them were even true. That was even the better part. If they don't understand why this applies to them, then you've wasted their time. Well, you know what? That makes me think of, um, you were at a presentation that I did last week on Mm -hmm. creating company culture through storytelling. Very specifically, I can stand and make this presentation and talk about it, but I think the most powerful part is when I get into those specific examples of 
okay, this is what a story looks like in a management setting, because then they can take that example and see how it applies to them. Or this is how it looks like in a product setting. This is, this is how it might work for you. So those example stories where you illustrate why it matters to them and how they can use it. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. So there's a gentleman who was at the Harvard Business School by the name of Theodore Levitt, and he said that people place value on your product in proportion to the perceived amount that it will solve their problems or improve their life. Mm -hmm. So if you are not making the story apply to them and what is important to them, then they won't care. Absolutely. And in closing, Matt, I want to thank you for coming and sharing these tips that you've tried and tested. What final thoughts do you have? You know, this is five things you want to make your audience do when you're using story. Do you have any just summary final ideas that you want to leave for the listeners? As a speaker, presenter, trainer, teacher, writer, your responsibility is to gain and maintain the audience's attention. As a business owner or as an employee, your responsibility is to gain and maintain customers. You do that in the same way. You do that by remembering that it's not about you and you ask these two questions. What is it that my audience or my customer wants and how can I help them get what they want? And then again, remember, it ain't about you, it's about them. That's wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for being on the podcast today. I sure appreciate it. No problem, Lori. I appreciate it and have a good day. Storytelling is influence. And when you tell stories with purpose and skill, you create massive response and connection. You actually get your ideas to take seed because story gives a format for remembering and learning concepts that you teach. So let's go over the tips one last time. First, make me care. Second, make me work. Third, make me wonder. And fourth, make me feel and believe. The very last one, make me understand. Make me understand how it applies to me, right? Make me understand why I care. Have a great week out there creating your most powerful stories on purpose and making real meaningful connections at work and with people you lead. And as always, please share this podcast with your associates and friends who will find value, share the love, people, share the love. And if you're interested in taking your story skill to the next level or just finding your own stories, needing help in finding your stories and strategizing how to use them, let me know because we have a workshop. You can go to our website, www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. Sign up for that website. Hopefully they're going to be happening monthly. Reach out. Let us know if we can help you with that, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.